The week leading up to Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Some Christians call it Holy Week. A just-out Gallup survey shows what we all know to be true. Fewer and fewer Americans going to church. The numbers are worse, I'm sure, in Canada. The headline from Gallup sounds bleak to me. U.S. church membership falls below majority for first time. Here's the shift. Back at the turn of the century, 1999, 70% of Americans belonged to a house of worship. That percentage also includes synagogues and mosques. 20 years later, a drop of 20 points. 47% now say they belong to a house of worship. You can wring your hands. You can stay dismayed. But it's interesting that God's Word speaks of God's family as a remnant, not a majority. I grew up hearing the term Sunday Christian, meaning not all calling themselves Christian are truly born again. This week, with Easter coming, check on your heart, your faith. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And on this last Tuesday in March, we're continuing in a series called The Journey to the Cross. Yesterday, we talked about Christ's triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Some say close to a million voices were heard chanting Hosanna as they waved their palms. It's a startling contrast when you recall how the masses chanted crucifying by the end of the week. How did that happen? Of course, we know it was God's will. It was part of his great plan of salvation. But humanly speaking, how did the masses go from praising Christ to betraying Christ? The Apostle John gives us insight when he tells us that as Jesus entered, the religious leaders watched with hatred, saying, look how the whole world has gone after him. They began to execute their great plan, kill Jesus at all costs. In a moment, we're going to look at this moment in time and how Jesus still had compassion on Jerusalem and wept over that great city, even when they were unwilling to come to him. But first, I want to tell you about a movie that I know you're going to like. Do you remember how growing up there always seemed to be a religious film on television around Passover and Easter? From the Ten Commandments to the greatest story ever told, these movies fascinated me as a child. So when we discovered the feature film Risen, I knew we needed to offer it to you. It's historical fiction in the tradition of Ben-Hur, that weaves biblical events with the story of a Roman soldier who is searching for the truth regarding the resurrection. I served the Roman Empire. I fought wars against those who did not believe in our gods. But nothing could prepare me for the truth that has now risen. He was very special. They're fanatics. What was his name? He was called Yeshua. The man's dead. His followers are in hiding. He's been a threat. Take control out there and finish things. The tomb is sealed. Guarded with your life. If this body vanishes, we have a potential messiah. Where has he gone? You tell me. You will track down the corpse of Yeshua. He's right here. Open your heart and see. I don't know what to believe anymore. 
That's the star of Risen, played by Joseph Fiennes, who is a Roman officer searching for the body of Christ. Little did he know that his investigation would change his life forever. And even though this film got a PG-13 rating for a couple of realistic war sequences, I believe this film will capture your imagination and encourage you to look for the risen Christ. Would you make contact with us after this program? Would you make a gift to the ministry? But would you also ask for your copy of the Risen DVD movie? Our number to call is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit us at haventoday.org, where you can watch some clips from the movie. Our website, once again, is haventoday.org. And a quick reminder, for your gift, we still have the Easter album you need to hear. Andrew Peterson's Resurrection Letters 1. And thinking about that album, let's open our program today with a song inspired by the old and new Jerusalem. It's called Maybe Next Year. I made my way to the western wall As the sun went down I could hear them call for you And the words I heard in the ancient song Were the same as the ones I've sung so long to you Touched the wall, the veil had never felt so thin. Cause you are the rock and the cornerstone, you are the temple of flesh and bone, and you are the door and the way back home again. To that city that we long for, but we feel so far away, where the dawn will drive away our tears. Someday, maybe next year na, 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 na. Maybe next year na, 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 na. At the western wall I bowed my head I knew that every word I read was true As the prophet spoke from another age And the song rose up from the sacred page to you So near, I never felt so far away. But you tore the curtain and shook the ground. The saints woke up and they walked around, and resurrection came to town that day. Like in that city that we long for, that we feel so far away, where the dawn will drive away our tears. place where Jesus said you could tear down the temple and he'd raise it from the dead. You never felt so real. I never felt so close to you. So I'll weep and dance at the western wall. Sing of the way you're making all things new. Cause the kingdom's here. But I know the kingdom's moving in. 
so far away Where the dawn will drive away our tears And we'll meet in the new Jerusalem someday Andrew Peterson, who's been blessing us all this Easter season with his song, Maybe Next Year, from his Resurrection Letters 1 album here on Haven Today and the Journey to the Cross. My name is Charles Morris. As Jesus entered Jerusalem for the final time in his earthly life, he entered to the sound of praise, praise from the people. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was a triumphant entry as so many, over a million it's estimated, were lining the streets to see Jesus enter it. But as we've titled our series this week, Journey to the Cross, this triumphant entry wasn't all about praise. It was also full of protest. The religious leaders knew Jesus. In fact, they sent a delegation led by Nicodemus earlier in John 3 to Jesus in an attempt to bring him under their supervision. In other words, their control. But Jesus did not oblige. Instead, he turned the tables on Nicodemus and shared with him what it truly means to be born again. The religious leaders didn't like Jesus. Actually, they hated him. And on that Palm Sunday, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, they let him know. They didn't want the crowds to praise him. They saw him as a threat. They wanted to stop the march. But John twelve nineteen tells us exactly what they were thinking. They turned to one another desperation in their voices. And they said, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. That's how Passion Week began, with the whole world going after Jesus. More than a million Jews in Jerusalem flooding the streets, getting ready for Passover, just to get a glimpse of the King of Israel. Jesus appeared unstoppable. His teachings were turning the hearts of many to the Lord. His miracles were opening the eyes of so many who were blind in sin. The religious leaders saw their world slipping away. Their influence and their power was leaving them as the crowds ignored them to follow Jesus. Could this be the turning point that they had been waiting for? The people of Israel had sat in silence for hundreds of years. The prophets were gone. Malachi had written the final book of prophecy, telling his people to wait for the forerunner one who would come in the power of Elijah to prepare the way. And they were waiting. And as they waited, different ideas about the Messiah arose. Of course, some thought he was going to be a conquering king who would get rid of the Romans and give the land fully back to the people. Not everyone thought that, though. Others imagined that the Messiah would be a prophet who would come to reveal the way of salvation at the end of time. They were waiting And even if they disagreed on what this Messiah would do, they were all waiting. And Jesus' triumphant entry made them believe the time had fully come. But Jesus knew better. As he rode into Jerusalem that day on a colt of a donkey, 
He wasn't basking in the glory of the praise. He was weeping. Luke tells us that as Christ entered into the city for the last time of his earthly life, tears were flooding his eyes. It's only the second time we're told about the tears of Jesus. The first time was when Jesus was standing outside of Lazarus' tomb, the death of his dear friend, the result of sin's devastating infection in this world, and that led Jesus to weep. And as he looked over Jerusalem on that glorious Palm Sunday, he was crying yet again. He didn't see a city of glory welcoming him to his throne. He saw a city, a city full of death. The people of Israel were wayward like a sheep without a shepherd. Sin was leading them astray, and their leaders were only making things worse. Jesus sat on that donkey, looking over the city, weeping. It's a powerful image, and it's one we cannot forget as we reflect on what Christ did for us in the final week of his life. We sometimes think of Jesus, strong and mighty, marching into Jerusalem, picking up his cross and dying as if it were easy. But it wasn't easy. Jesus wept, not just because the people needed a savior, but because he knew what the people were about to do to him. Jesus knew the praises of Hosanna. Hosanna would turn to crucify him, crucify him. The city was full of death and Jesus was going to be consumed just after the religious leaders said that the whole world is going after Jesus. He had this to say in John 12. Let me start reading to us from verse 23. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus knew what entering into Jerusalem meant for him. All the way back in Luke 9, he understood, setting his face to Jerusalem, entering in and receiving the adoration of the crowds, he would be killed. He knew that unless he died, we could not be saved. And he went on in verse 27, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Jesus wept as he looked over the city. He even cursed the fig tree, which represented Israel's fruitlessness. He cleared the temple because of the sin they were engaging in. He wept over their sin. He wept for what he was about to suffer. But he didn't try to escape it. This is why he came. This hour, he said, the time of his suffering and death is the reason he was born into the world at all. Jesus' willingness to enter into the city shows his faithfulness to us. He was going to be abandoned by even his good friends. He was going to be betrayed by one of them. His own people, the Jewish community, was going to cry out for his death. His mother was going to be left almost all alone. Jesus was going to die a friendless man, utterly abandoned and shamefully scorned upon the cross. Jesus wept. But just the thought of what he suffered should bring tears to our eyes. We were helpless, hopeless, and without God. Our sin had plunged us into the pit. Our souls were blackened, seared, and incapable of loving the Lord or really loving anyone else. We were lost and wayward. We were sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus dove into our mess head first. He knew what it would cost. And as we think about Jesus entering into Jerusalem all those years ago, 
Yes, we should think of triumph and glory, but we can never forget how he got there. The pathway to glory was paved through his pain. It began with his weeping. It would end with him breathing his last upon the cross. Jerusalem, the city of God, the place where Jesus had been so often to gather and celebrate Passover with friends and family, it would become the place of his greatest betrayal. What about you? What do you think about when you think about Jesus' journey to the cross? Do you remember his tears? That he looked upon the city full of people who were desperately sick, knowing full well that the religious leaders would kill him to remain in power? This is Passion Week, Holy Week. It's dark and it's depressing. It reminds us how sinful we can be, but through it all, it shows us the love of the Lord. He was not caught off guard by any of this. He knew it would be painful. The abandonment would break his heart. The crucifixion would break his body. Facing the Father's wrath would break him. But he endured it all. His love for us running so deep. He wept over the city, and he wept over sinners, not just because they were messing up, but because he loved them so very much. And he loves you that deeply. Passion Week, Holy Week, brings us to our knees as we realize how desperate we are for grace. But Christ lifts us back up as he shows us how much he was willing to suffer to have us with him when he returns. His love strengthens our hearts. And as we continue to reflect on Christ's final week in Jerusalem, his love should be foremost on our minds and in our hearts. He was there because he wanted to be. He suffered for us because he loves us. His journey to the cross was a journey of love. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide.
Chris Tomlin with his At the Cross, Love Ran Red, here on Haven Today in a program called Journey to the Cross. Recently, Andrew Peterson shared with me how thankful he was when Chris Tomlin called him to ask if he could cover the song Is He Worthy from Andrew's Resurrection Letters 1. And just a reminder, we still have this must-listen-to album for your gift to the ministry. But before we go, I'd like you to hear a little more about the feature film we're offering this week called Risen. This feature-length movie shows the events of Christ's resurrection from a very unique angle, a Roman soldier who is skeptical but trying to learn the truth. Risen's told not from necessarily a a gospel-centric. This takes a different view. This is through the eyes of a non-believing Roman military leader. The Nazarene said he'd rise again after three days. You will lose peace and order if it's true. Will the people believe it? The weak will. There will be no other gods. Kill him. Where most films about the life of Christ end at the crucifixion, Risen really begins at the crucifixion. The military leaders and the religious leaders of the day woke up that morning and the body of Jesus was missing. It was a mystery to them, and it unleashed a manhunt because they were fearful of what a resurrection would mean, that it would mean that this was a Messiah, that it would cause unrest in Rome and unrest in Jerusalem and unrest throughout Judea. And so we really kind of reveled in and lived in the thrill of the journey of these characters looking for this body of Jesus, looking to prove that this resurrection was a fake. So it was important for us as we were going through the process on Risen, starting from the script stage through production, was to involve pastors and leaders and people that I've known and worked with and trusted for 25 years to really make sure that, while I would never say Risen is a biblically-based story, I would say it's scripturally harmonious, that the elements of the story where it touches scripture are true to scripture. You know, we're looking for people to be impacted in a positive way, and I think people come out the other end after watching it changed. You know, as the scripture shows what Jesus did and said, what what did the people around him think, and, and what were the what were the ramifications of, of what we saw after you know after the fact? And I think with Risen, we get to explore that, have fun with it in a way that is. I think edifying and encouraging and uplifting. You just heard a few of the producers who helped bring the epic film Risen to life. It's a gritty but realistic story that portrays the harsh realities of the first century. But when you watch it, I know it will remind you that Jesus truly has risen from the dead. I believe this is a worthy film that will be an encouragement to you, which is why I'm excited to recommend and share Risen on DVD as our thanks for your support of Haven Ministries. You can make your gift right now by calling us at 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit us at haventoday.org, where you can watch some excerpts from the movie. Our website again is haventoday.org. Or you can also, if you didn't get it before, ask for the Resurrection CD by Andrew Peterson. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow, this Holy Week, when again we'll celebrate the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today.
Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Kids hear it when they disobey. Adults hear it when they act disgracefully. At the end of the day, as sinners, we all should be ashamed. That's one of the terrible results of sin. It puts us to shame. It should surprise us then that Jesus suffered shame. Psalm 25.2 is the prayer of a righteous person asking God, do not let me be put to shame. Only one truly righteous man has ever prayed that, our Lord Jesus, and God answered. But first, Jesus suffered shame, not his own, but yours. Your sin was laid on him so that you would not be put to shame. He's taken it all away. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit getanchor.com.